listening to the Cougar Talk Podcast, hosted by Dylan McMinn, Chris Isaacson, and Jackson Jepson. Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the Cougar Talk Podcast. We are happy to be back with you all today. I'm Dylan McMinn at Cert Opinion on Twitter, and joining me in this episode today, again, is my good friend Chris. Chris, how's it going? How have you been in the last week since we last recorded? Going good. I actually moved down to Provo just yesterday, so I'm here at BYU, and I'm excited for the season to get going here. Chris is finally a BYU student. We got him out of that school out of Ogden known as Utah State, finally back down to Provo. Also joining us today is our good friend Jackson. He wasn't able to make it on last time, but he is here with us today. We are so excited to have him joining us on the Cougar Talk podcast. Jackson, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, let the people know who you are? Yeah, what's up? I, um, I run House of BYU on Twitter, and just like this podcast, it started as something that was just an outlet for my obsession with BYU football and reasoning for knowing way too much that I should about the game itself. I was born of goodly parents who raised me in the faith of BYU football specifically. My dad has always been very like money conscious, but he always got us season tickets, and I've been going to games since I was like two. And really haven't missed any since then from now. And just a huge BYU fan. I really like to get into the numbers. I like the deep dives. I like the stories um, that a lot of people aren't hearing about or paying attention to, but add depth to me to the game. So, yeah, that's what I hope to bring to the podcast a little bit is some numbers and some some stories that aren't being talked about too much. Well, as I said, we are thrilled to have Jackson joining us. Now, for anybody who is listening to our podcast for the first time, this is the Cougar Talk podcast where we talk about all things BYU football and all things college football in general. Now, before we dive into this episode, I do want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that is Cougar Kickoff Classic on Instagram. So if you have an Instagram account, make sure you go on there right now, follow at Cougar Kickoff Classic, and go check out what they do on there. They have some awesome stuff, some great surveys for you to fill out for a chance to win a signed BYU football jersey. Now, with that said, let's go ahead and dive into our episode. Gentlemen, we are to game week. We made it. We are at week one. We made it through week zero. We actually all watched week zero together. We had a fun time watching those games. So I'm curious to hear from you both. What was your personal favorite part about week zero, about those games, that we all got to enjoy before week one. Oh man, it was so good. We got together and it was the perfect setup. We had like four games going on at the same time. But like my personal favorite moment was sitting down for that Notre Dame and Navy kickoff and just that feeling of being on your couch on a Saturday morning and college football was back. It was like we'd survived this long seven, eight month period of no college football. It's a sad and depressing time. I'm not myself when college football isn't around. And just to have that feeling of that first kickoff and just to finally be back in it was probably my favorite part of week zero. Yeah, I think my favorite part was the fact that we had a bunch of random games that were still good, like UMass and New Mexico State. Most people are not watching that game on a regular week, but week zero comes around and there is not a more hype time in college football than watching two programs like that go at it. But my favorite game was the Louisiana Tech at FIU game. Watching those final minutes, a one-point one game, a missed field goal, a defensive stop, and you can just feel the energy around two teams, even like FIU and Louisiana Tech, who aren't big national name teams, but it's still college football. There's still the passion and energy, and we were all right there cheering every step of the way while watching whatever game is on TV. So that was my favorite part there. Yeah, it was a fun time watching the defensive legend himself, Hank Bachmeyer. Boise State fans are very familiar with him and apparently how much of a defensive difference he can make against BYU in 2020 specifically. Um, I would say my favorite part of Week Zero specifically was kind of just the same as Jackson's, just being able to finally watch some college football with the boys, be able to sit back, relax, have some good food, talk football, focus on football, and not have anything else going on. You know, when it's a Saturday during the football season, I try to keep my Saturday the least busy as possible. I try to open it up as much as possible to watch as much football as I can and just to focus on that football as much as I can. 
Now, week zero was a blast. It was, you know, whatever you want to call it with those matchups. It was interesting. It was chaotic. It was crazy. Like Chris mentioned, that Louisiana Tech and FIU game was a blast to watch. You know, we had Hawaii, Vanderbilt. That was super fun to watch. But we're past week zero now, and we're actually into the big boy football of week one. So let's go ahead and talk about week one with our matchup against Sam Houston. Now, BYU kicks off against Sam Houston. It's a night kickoff. It's at 8.15 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We're going to be wearing our blue, blue, white combo, meaning blue helmets, blue jersey, white pants. The blue helmet's going to have the white face mask on it. I think that is such a clean look. What What's your guys' opinion on this uniform combo that we have coming up this week? Okay, I will say that I absolutely love the Royal Helmet. Anytime BYU's wearing that helmet, I am just absolutely so excited to see it. I think it's been a great addition. I know people usually prefer the white helmet with the Royal icon, but I just love that Royal Helmet. I think it pops. I think it looks great. And some of Billy's best memories in recent time have been wearing that helmet. So I love this combo. Yeah, one thing that surprised me about this combo is that with the white face mask, it is a brand new uniform combination. I did not realize that we hadn't worn this with a white face mask before. So this is the first new uniform of the season that we're going to see. So love the way the Royal pops. It looks beautiful on TV and especially in the night game. It's going to be a great uniform matchup, especially on our end. Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the first times I even saw this Royal Helmet in person was last year's game against Baylor. I thought it looked super great in person, even with the Royal face mask, I think was with that combo. But I think with the white face mask, it, like was said, makes it pop even more against that Royal. And I mean, BYU even posted on their social media some wallpapers that you could screenshot and add to your phone. You know, I already screenshotted that as soon as it was posted. It's just one of them is the royal helmet with the white face mask with a cool edit around it. It looks so clean, and I'm a big fan of this matchup, especially against the orange that Sam Houston has. I'm not sure exactly what uniform combo they'll be wearing, but either way, it's going to include that orange, which I think should look great against our royal. Also, with this game, we have been told to do the stripe the stadium. So if you're in a certain section, you'll wear white. If you're in a certain section, you'll wear royal. So if you are going to this game, make sure you check in with that graphic. It's all over social media. You should even get an email about it, I'm sure, with the tickets. Make sure you're wearing the right color for your section because if we can get that done the right way, it'll look so awesome. It'll be the best way to kick off the season, a night game against a team that we should be beating. The crowd should be loud. First game in our Big 12 inaugural season. And we have the Stripe Stadium at night. It would just look so cool. Now, diving into this game a little bit more in depth, our opponent is Sam Houston, who I personally think a lot of people would be somewhat unfamiliar with. They're a new FBS team. You know, they're a team that I personally wasn't as aware of until very recently. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, who is Sam Houston specifically? Sam Houston is one of the teams joining the FBS ranks this year, meaning that they were not an FBS team before this season, just like Jacksonville State, who played in Week 0 and actually beat UTEP. This will be their first game in Conference USA, and before this year, they've been an absolute powerhouse in the FCS ranks, especially in the last few years. They won the national championship in 2020 and then also went undefeated in the regular season in 2021. So they had a stretch where they went like 22 and one. We look back at BYU's last threes where they're like, I think 29 and nine. And that seems super successful. This team has won at an even higher clip, obviously at the FCS ranks, but they're coming into the FBS very hot. Absolutely. And that's, that's the thing that I think is overlooked a lot about this team is the fact that they are a powerhouse in the FCS level. There's a reason they're jumping up to the FBS. And that's actually why I first started hearing about them was because they had that stretch, as Jackson mentioned, where they were just winning everything. And they were the Alabama, essentially, of FCS football. Yeah, I mean, if you've listened to anything out of the BYU coaches this year, there's a ton of respect um, for Casey Keeler, the head coach of Sam Houston. Uh, just 
I mean, there's so many things to be said about him, but the the main one that I saw that stood out to me is that he's the all-time leader in FCS playoff wins. This guy has coached his team in big games, and they've been successful almost every single time they've been in those games. He's taken three FCS schools to national championships. He's the only FCS coach to have won two championships, um, both at different schools. Just at Sam Houston alone, he's 85 and 27. That's a 76% win percentage. Um, in the FCS in total, he's got 259 career wins. And then if we go back even further into his coaching career, in some Division II schools, he appeared in six other national championships. So, I mean, this is just continued success that you've seen under Casey Keeler. He's widely respected as an FCS coach. And just like Jay Hill was for a long time, Across the nation, he's looked at a guy that could be coaching in the, the G5 or the P5 ranks very soon. So, very formidable coach. The staff as a whole that he's put together is very respectable. Uh, this is going to be a really well-coached team coming into Provo. Yeah, for sure. And their coach, you know, can get it done. The 2021, they had the undefeated regular season. They went 11-1. and one. one interesting thing to note is that last year they gave an option to the upperclassmen to redshirt going into the FBS. So they had seniors on the team that did decide to redshirt so that they could play their final season in the FBS. So their, their record last year, 5-4, and four, is a little bit misleading because this team is good and they have guys that can play. So I'm sure the coaching staff, as we've heard, they've our coaches have raved about them, and they're going to have players coming back that are good, and they're going to put up a fight. They're going to want to prove that they belong. They're going to want to prove that they're an FBS team, and they are not going to go down easily. So BYU does have to come out ready because this team will punch you right in the mouth right off the bat. And that's one of the biggest things, I think, about this matchup that we're hearing a lot. And I've heard people make jokes about it, how just, of course, all of these BYU players and coaches are emphasizing in all of their interviews with the media that, oh, we're not overlooking this team. Well, of course they're not going to overlook this team because this team literally has nothing to lose. As Chris said, they're here to try to prove that they belong at this FBS level. And what better way to do that than to go into a P5 school at BYU, upset their opening game. They go in there. If they were to get a win, that would be the best way ever to start your program's history at the FBS level. I also love, Chris, that you brought up, you know, those redshirt players because that's one of the hard things with preparing for the Sam Houston game. They had so many of those players redshirt last year to give them the option to play this season at the FBS level. And so when we try to look back on this past season, that's a completely different team. There's a lot of different players. We have the new coaches that Casey brought in for this season. And so it's kind of difficult to prepare for a team like Sam Houston. However, with any team with returning players, there are specific guys that you know are going to be there to make a difference and are going to really be the playmakers for that team. No matter what team it is, there's always going to be that playmaker. So Jackson, given on the history that we do have, who do you think is going to be the key player on offense and the key player for defense for Sam Houston? That's a tough question, obviously, with all the redshirt guys coming in and stuff. But Sam Houston has had a little bit of a quarterback battle. It's kind of been interesting to follow. Grant Gunnell came in. He was previously, um, he had been at Arizona in his career. And then you had the guy Keegan Shoemaker, who started most of last year. They haven't named a starter but Keegan Shoemaker was named a team captain. Take from that what you will. I expect to see Keegan Shoemaker because Casey Keeler has been very adamant about only playing one quarterback. So obviously it all starts with the quarterback. Um, Shoemaker last year didn't have the best year as a 60% completion. Uh, and his touchdown to interception ratio kind of was lacking a little bit. But, and I'm sorry to give you two players when you ask for one, one of the guys coming back this year that is very highly talented is their wide receiver, Ife Adeye. He's a junior. He's got 1,800 career yards and 18 um, career touchdowns. That's an absolute weapon on the outside. It's going to be a good test for our secondary. We're obviously a little bit concerned about the secondary with injuries there and some inexperience there. So Ife is going to be a great test for the secondary if Keegan Shoemaker can get in the ball. And then going over to defense, this is 100% Sam Houston's strength as a team. 
looking just at last year, even with those players out, they were still top 10, top 20, and pretty much every stat that means something in football on the defensive end. They have a very, very, very tough front seven. I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to watch BYU's rushing offense against this front seven because it is going to be a really good litmus test. If BYU has a good day, there's something to take from that. If BYU has a bad day, there's something to take from that. And you can't always say that about an FCS matchup. If you have a good game, well, it's just an FCS. Well, it's different with Sam Houston. They're really good front on the on the front seven there. They honestly are considered to have the best linebacking core in the Conference USA, which is very respectable coming in in their first year. And the biggest part of that is their middle linebacker, Kevin Gaither, who's a junior. He had an offer from Colorado out of high school, has all this talent, some career numbers for him. Or I guess just last year, he had 79 tackles, three sacks, two forced fumble, and one interception. So he was a big part for them. Watch out for his name. It's going to be called a ton, especially if Aiden Robbins and Deion Sanders are getting the ball a lot. And I, I agree that I think this is going to be a great test for our team. I love that this is actually our week one matchup because it's a game that we still should be winning, but it's going to give us a lot better of an idea of who this BYU team is specifically because this isn't going to be just like you mentioned, your regular FCS matchup. This isn't going to be like Southern Utah next week. The Sam Houston team is at that FBS level for a reason, as I've said a couple of times. And a big part of it is because of those key players that you mentioned. You know, I specifically um, want to emphasize the point you brought up of that defense. That defense is going to be actually a pretty good test for us. We're going to really get a good idea of how Keaton Slovis fits in our offense here at BYU. We're going to get a good idea of how Aiden Robbins is at the starting running back position for PYU behind our great offensive line. And that's that's why, you know, I think we couldn't ask for a better week one matchup, especially with a brand new team, new coaching staff for us, and also jumping into Big 12 play this season. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about the defense of Sam Houston here, I remember watching their first game last year. They played at Texas A&M, and they had held Texas A&M to just 10 points with less than one minute to go before the half. They had forced some red zone uh, red zone turnovers. They had forced a lot of punts, lots of different things going on there that were giving Texas A&M fits when they were ranked number six at the time. So this Sam Houston defense is not to be messed with. Like Jackson said, they have the best linebacking core in the Conference USA. And they are coming to play. So watch out for the defense to be super aggressive. They're going to look to get to the quarterback. They're going to force you into third and long situations. And BYU has to try and avoid that as best as possible because Sam Houston is here to play. I do want to go back to the offense as far as what this offense is going to look like for Sam Houston. They brought in Brad Cornelson from Virginia Tech. He was there for about six years before. And what we saw at Virginia Tech under Cornelson is a run game that likes to test the edges. You're going to have a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of off-tackle runs, a lot of wide receiver screens, and even a bunch of quarterback sneaks and draws. And in watching Sam Houston's games last year, I watched three or four, that's what they liked to do too last year. They were going to the edge a lot with their running backs. And I think that combination of something that they were already doing a lot and bring in Cornelson, who's someone that has done it a lot in his career, that's going to even be more of a threat. So when I'm thinking in BYU's eyes, I'm looking at that as guys like Tyler Batty, Isaiah Banya, the outside linebackers, they're going to have to be sitting outside contain and making sure that those runs that go to the outside aren't getting five, six plus yards every time. Because if they do, that's going to keep Sam Houston State on the field for a certain amount of times. And it's going to take the ball out of Keenan Slovis's hands. And we're going to have a, a game that goes by fast, even with the new clock rules, and a game that gives BYU less opportunities to score the football. So that's something to watch with the new Sam Houston offense under Brad Cornelson. I also want to add to that a little bit. The fact that, you know, Sam Houston has, you know, great skill position players specifically, they're going to try to use those in every single way possible. So, we're not looking at just the typical receiver going for, you know, deep routes every single time for deep passes to them. We're going to be seeing a lot of, you know, usage out of their best receivers, similar to probably how we saw Puka used last season, where we pull him over on jet sweeps, where, you know, he's involved a lot more in the run game specifically even. And 
I, I agree. I think what we're going to see a lot specifically with those outside runs and their outside speed is they're going to try to get their best players the ball every single snap that they can. And I, I love that you brought up specifically Tyler Batty because I think that's where Tyler Batty is going to need to step up this year because he's been in the system for a long time. He's a leader for this team. He's going to need to step up and really you know, bring that energy, bring that momentum of setting that edge and not allowing that run game to tear us apart as we've seen teams do in the past. It's one thing we could talk about with Sam going to the defensive side for Sam Houston. We talked about their defense being very highly rated. Something that just popped off the paper to me was that they forced 21 turnovers in nine games, you know, close to two and a half a game. That's a big number. And I don't even, I, I wish I could have looked up BYU's number, but BYU was not forcing two and a half turnovers a game. And so BYU will have to be secure with the ball. They're usually pretty good with that, but it's a season opener too. We have a bunch of guys on the offense learning to gel and play together for the first time. You've got a new quarterback throwing to new receivers. If BYU's not careful, Sam Houston's going to force turnovers. And again, it's going to take the ball to the offensive hands and give Sam Houston more of an opportunity to compete in this game. Now, with, with that point brought up, you know, this is a pretty new BYU team. We have a lot of new personnel, as has been talked about a lot this offseason and even in this episode already. We had that, you know, new coaching staff brought in this offseason. So now let's switch the focus a little bit into who is going to be this BYU team week one specifically. Now, in the past week, we actually were given the depth chart for BYU um, for this week one matchup specifically. And there are a few things specifically that stood out to us that I want to talk about. And starting off, I want to talk about myself, two of our young players that it's their first season in this system that made the three deep roster. And that's going to be LJ Martin and Jojo Phillips. Now, starting with LJ, all we've heard from camp about him is how good he's been and how much of a playmaker he is. He's already one of our best players on this roster as a freshman. The dude, if you've seen his highlights from high school, he's pure athlete. He is so physical and so fast. And so the fact that he made that 3D roster when we also have guys on the roster like Hinkley Rapati, Miles Davis, who have experience with this team in the past, who have proven themselves in the past, that just shows to me how great LJ is. Now, Granted, Hinkley was just announced that he is not in the roster specifically because of an injury. I think he announced it or the coaches announced it. But still, the fact that it's LJ over a guy like Miles Davis, over any of those guys in the running back room, LJ making that three deep, I think, stands out a lot to me, specifically because it shows a lot about him as a player. And then on that same point, the same thing for JoJo Phillips. You know, he's the receiver out of Sierra Canyon in California. He... You know, was a two-sport athlete playing football and basketball. That dude himself, he's just an athlete as well. Just pure athlete, has so much speed, is such a physical player. And I think the fact that he's listed in the three deep for this running back room specifically is a huge tell about how this coaching staff views him. So those are two of our young guys that I expect to make a big difference in our team and in these games early on, especially Hopefully in week one and two, we see them get a lot of reps on field. Hopefully because we have such a large lead, we're able to get them those reps, get more of that experience. And then when we dive into our you know more difficult part of the schedule in Big 12 play, they'll be ready to step up as needed, if needed, with any injuries that may come up or if anybody's not performing their best, we need someone else to step up. You know, I'm hoping that this first two, couple of weeks are really going to help them make that step to be you know play ready at that high level now chris i'm curious you know one of the other spots on the depth chart that really stood out was camden garrett being at the nickel when many people thought it would be eddie heckard so what what's your take on the defensive side of the ball with camden and eddie 
Yeah, so obviously I'm not in the coaching room where the decisions are made. I don't know exactly what goes into that there. But I would assume with Eddie Heckard being brought over from Weaver State and being expected to be one of, if not the top corner on the team, you would like to have him on the field for as many snaps as possible. So I would assume that when the nickel package comes out and we bring that extra corner on the field, that Camden Garrett would slide on and potentially go to the outside while Eddie Heckard moves to the nickel spot in the slot. But Really, I think it's just getting the best 11 guys on the field at a time. And I think Eddie Heckard has earned the right to be on the field with or without the nickel package being out there. And with Chris talking about the backfield, we have to talk, of course, about Talon Alfrey. He was one omission from the depth chart that kind of caught my attention. Usually when a player isn't listed on the depth chart, it means they're out for the year. But as some of you may have heard through coaches that they expect him to be back this year at some point. It's not a season injury. so. It'll be nice to get Talon back whenever he can come back, have some fresh legs in the strong safety room. And that that's especially, you know, a big thing with this depth chart with also the loss of Micah Harper. You know, we already were losing some of that depth at the safety position, and then we lose a player like Alfrey, who, from what we heard out of camp, had stepped up, was, you know, going to be a great player for us back there. And so losing some of that depth, is a little bit concerning so it is going to be interesting to see how this depth chart you know sort of holds their own now when we take a look at you know who is this byu team week one and their matchup against sam houston what are going to be you know the key things for byu specifically what does byu need to do to take care of this sam houston team yeah so i think it all starts with the defensive line i think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see the new faces we have on the defensive line and how well they can control the line of scrimmage because the games games are won in the trenches, offensive and defensive line. And defensive line has been a question mark for BYU before. So I'm excited to see how well they perform in Jay Hill's new scheme. I'm curious to see our linebacker room is very good. So I wonder how much of the slack they can pick up and filling gaps, filling holes in the run games, just playing sound football all around. I think just sticking to the basics, the fundamentals, and playing gap-to-gap football is going to be the way to go. If we can do our assignment, everybody does their job, we're going to have a good game. And if not, it's going to be a little rough around the edges. But hopefully the talent on either side of the ball is going to be able to help us get it done. So for my key to the game, this is kind of like a generalization, but what I wrote down is accomplish as much as possible while showing as little as possible. And that applies to both the offense and the defense. I myself am totally fine to see Aaron Roderick grow out there, get a lead, and then totally dumb down the offense. Even if it means less points and a kind of a less pretty score at the end of the game, I'm totally fine with him doing this this week and next week versus SUU, just so that we have a few surprises for Arkansas and Kansas when the schedule gets a little bit tougher. And then, same thing on the defense with Jay Hill. Put some pressure on Sam Houston, maybe get a turnover here or there. But once the game is in control, and Bealey fans are going to hate to hear it, throw in some more drop eight. Stop giving looks to the other teams on film that we want to use in the future. So I think, obviously, you want to stay healthy. But outside of that, accomplish as much as possible while showing as little as possible should be the goal for BYU. That point makes me think of, actually, I saw a Twitter interaction from you specifically, Jackson. If you're not following him, it's House of BYU on Twitter. You had mentioned this being sort of one of your big things on Twitter, and someone sort of replied to you, like, you really don't see BYU covering the spread in this game. And that's where I kind of laugh because I think a lot of fans don't understand how good the Sam Houston team can compete. I think, you know, if we don't cover the spread entirely, I'm not going to overreact quite too much, depending, of course, on, you know, the situation of us not covering the spread. But if that happens, you know, I do think, you know, BYU fans should not quite overreact to that quite yet. Now, on that same point, my key of the game specifically is just all about momentum. We have these first two weeks against sort of, you know, softer teams for us to really build our identity and some get, and to gain momentum leading into Big 12 play. Now, with that said, though, this game specifically, momentum is going to play a, play a big role because as we've talked about, this Sam Houston team has nothing to lose. So my big thing is we don't want them to have any big plays where they gain momentum. We want to take care of the ball, hold onto the ball as much as we can. You know, Jackson mentioned before, the Sam Houston team was super great with takeaways last season. 
We don't want to turn over the ball. We want to have the ball as much as we possibly can. We want to hold all the momentum in this game. And we just really can't give Sam Houston any idea that they have a chance in this game. We don't want to give them any hope. We want to, you know, punch them in the mouth early on and keep that momentum going. And then hopefully, you know, towards the end of the game specifically, we keep that momentum going. You know, Jackson, you mentioned you hope we like ease off, you know, a little bit and not show all of our playbook. I hope we do that, but also in the same, you know, at the same time, I hope we are still playing super aggressive in terms of individual player performance. I hope that we don't let our foot off the gas in terms of how hard we are playing because I think it's important that we keep that momentum carrying over into SUU, build that up even more through SUU and into week three. So that's my big key of this game is going to be momentum specifically. You know, we have those historic upsets in college football like App State over Michigan, I think it was, or even more recently, we had App State over Texas A&M. All those great upsets that, you know, happen that everybody talks about for years afterwards, those happen because that underdog team gets momentum and they believe they have a shot to win. We want to get rid of that as soon as we possibly can for Sam Houston. So now let's go ahead and turn this a little bit away from specifically keys to the game and our depth chart. And I want to talk about what we actually think is going to happen in our week one matchup against Sam Houston. So we actually have two specific things that we want to predict together here. Um, so first of all, I want to, you know, hear our predictions. Who will score the first touchdown of the season for BYU? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Chase Roberts. And I'm going to give you an even more in-depth prediction and say that this will be a 20-plus yard play after the in a tempo offense after a first down. So you might have, just say, Aiden Robbins runs for a first down on third and four, and you're at the 35-yard line. And this is when Aaron Roderick loves to take his shot. I think Beale gets straight to the line. They already have a play called, and you're going to hit Chase Roberts deep over the middle. That's something we actually didn't talk about, is if the Sam Houston State defense does have one question mark, it is their secondary. I think BYU is going to test that early, and I think Chase Roberts is going to be the benefactor of that. I like that there. I, I do love going tempo offense. I love the idea of a shot play. I think our first touchdown is going to come from Aiden Robbins punching it in on the goal line. I think we're going to get into a, a down and goal situation. We're just going to keep feeding him the rock and let him, let him see what he can do, let him eat. I think he's going to punch it in for a very short touchdown early on in the game. I, I love both of those takes because I agree that we're going to be playing with tempo. And I kind of had the same thought process as Jackson where – you know, we'll have a drive where we're running the ball good and then we just take a shot. But instead of it being a receiver, I'm actually predicting that it's going to be Isaac Rex. I think it would be almost poetic that he gets the first touchdown of the season with him being fully back healthy. You know, I could see us using a play similar to his long touchdown against Oregon last season where he kind of fakes a block and then goes on his route and is wide open. So my prediction is it's going to be Isaac Rex. Now, the other thing for us to predict is does BYU have at least one 50-plus yard play, you know, an offensive play that is more than 50 yards from the line of scrimmage? Jackson, what's your prediction there? I'm going to go ahead and say that BYU has one in each half, uh, both through the air. So not just one. He's going with two. As much as I would love to see a 50-yard play, I don't think we're going to get it today. I think Sam Houston's going to really focus on keeping the, the lid on the defense. And unless we can break off a 50-yard run, I do not think that we're going to have one this week. I think we will have one, but it's going to be a little bit later in the game because I think Sam Houston is not going to want to give up those big plays. So BYU is going to focus a lot on getting those little short and medium gains, whether that's through the run or just through quick, short passes. And I think that's going to make Sam Houston focus a little bit more on our run game and then open up one deep play for a 50-yard pass, I would say. I'm sort of jumping on board with Jackson there. I think it would be through the air. It would be a passing play for more than 50 yards there. Um, you know, we got the fast receivers. We got Keanu. We got Chase. We got dudes that can make those catches and have proven it in the past. So I would hope to see at least one of those this week, so I'm predicting we have one specifically. 
Now, if you think you have better predictions than we do with these specific things, make sure you go to Instagram and check out Cougar Kickoff Classic. They have a survey each week for you to fill out. They had a preseason one, and now they have one up live for the Sam Houston matchup, and they're going to have a new one each week. And each prediction you get correctly, you will score a point. Whoever has the most points by the end of the season is going to win a prize, I believe, the big prize, the grand prize, is a signed Mitch Matthews BYU jersey, but they also have lots of other prizes available for those who participate and those who get a lot of points. So make sure you go check them out on Instagram. You know, the guy that runs it is fantastic. He's a great dude. So we wanted to give them some love. Make sure you go check them out. Again, the Instagram is at Cougar Kickoff Classic. If you have some predictions you want to make, that is the place to do so for BYU football. Make sure you get that done before kickoff on the first game. That is when the surveys end. There are two, the preseason and the week one. So if you want to be in for the full season, get to Cougar Kickoff Classic before kickoff on Saturday. So now just overall game predictions. I want to hear your guys' final score prediction, who you think will be the offensive player of the game and the defensive player of the game, and then one hot take you have for the game that you think is going to happen. Yeah, so I think the offensive player of the game, I think it's going to be Aiden Robbins. I think we're going to run the ball a lot in the second half. We're going to try and run some clock out. I think he's going to be the workhorse back for the majority of the game. So I think he takes home that player of the game there. For defensive player of the game, I'm going to give it to Ben Bywater. It's a little bit of a vanilla pick, but Ben Bywater is the tackling leader on the team. I think he's going to be making his name heard on a lot of plays, stuffing gaps in the run game, making tackles for loss. I think he's going to be a big part of that defense. So Aiden Robbins on offense, Ben Bywater on defense. I think the final score, I'm going to go BYU 41, Sam Houston 16. My hot take is that BYU is going to rush for 200 yards as a team, for more than 200 yards as a team. I think we're going to get on it early and often, and I think we're just going to wear them down by the second half, and we're going to move the rock, move the chains, and keep the ball on the ground as much as we can. All right, so for a final score in this game, kind of like you mentioned, Dylan, the spread right now is at 20.5 points. My prediction right now is a 31-13 to BYU win. BYU not covering the spread for those previously mentioned points. They're going to get up big. They're going to get up fast, and I think they just kind of slow things down, take care of the ball and focus on execution those plays. We're also on the same page for my offensive player of the game. I'm going with Isaac Rex. I'm predicting that he's going to have two touchdown catches, which would put him in first all-time for tight end touchdown receptions at BYU, which will be pretty sweet. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with Tyler Batty as my defensive player of the game. I think Tyler this year is finally going to be a beast that's been unleashed. He doesn't have to worry about filling two run gaps, and all he has to do is get to the quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a multiple sack game from Tyler because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but we do know that Tyler Batty is going to be hungry to get to him. And then my hot take kind of goes along the same lines of that. I think BYU has four sacks in this game. And I don't think they had four sacks until like week four or five last season. So they're going to be getting to the quarterback. They're going to be making it tough, and they're going to end the game with four sacks. Awesome. I love that. I would love if we had four sacks in our first game. You know, even with a, you know easier team to compete against, we struggled for some reason to get that pressure. Well, we know the reason, but we struggled to get the pressure <laughs> on the quarterbacks. And so I would love for us to finally, you know, start off the season right and start off with getting pressure to the quarterback and getting those sacks. I love that. Now, for me, my final score prediction, I think it's going to be a 35-10 to 10 game. I think we cover the spread. I think our defense actually stands out a little bit more than usual. I would love to hold Sam Houston to 10 points. Um, I think my offensive, offensive player of the game is going to be specifically as just same as Chris, Aiden Robbins. I think Aiden is going to have a big first game at BYU. Does he you know, have more than 100 yards rushing on the day? Um, I think he does, close to that at least. And I also think we can see him scoring multiple touchdowns. Um, for the defensive side of the ball, I think the defensive player of the game for me is actually going to be Jacob Robinson. I would love to see Jacob Robinson get very involved. You know, we have focused a lot on our defensive line and our linebackers getting pressure on the quarterback and trying to take care of that run game. I think if we force them more into a passing game, 
I think we'll see Jacob Robinson have a great game, you know, lots of tackles and hopefully pass breakups and even some turnovers. And that kind of leads into my hot take as well. My hot take for this game is that BYU is going to force three turnovers on the day. That's a lot for any team against any opponent. But I would love to see us, you know, start off the season with a great defensive showing after, you know, the defensive showings we had last season. I would love us to force some turnovers, whether that's with forced fumbles or interceptions. So that's my hot take for the game. Either way, this is going to be a great, fun game. It's going to be one of the best ways to open up the season against Sam Houston. I'm expecting just a fun, exciting game. Crowd is going to show up. You know, hopefully we're able to sell out by kickoff. I've seen there are still a few tickets available. So if you don't have tickets and you want to go, make sure you snag them before they run out. It's going to be such a fun environment. First game of our first season as a Big 12 team. Make sure you go check out the new Big 12 logos on the field and just be there in person for it. Now, we'd be kind of crazy to not give some love to some former BYU guys that made it on NFL rosters this season specifically. NFL teams recently made their cuts. We had dudes, you know, who made the 53-man roster. We had a dude specifically that was claimed from waivers with Zane Anderson. So, Chris, you want to go ahead and give a shout-out to those dudes who made it on the NFL roster this past weekend? Yeah, absolutely. And some of the rookies, Puka Nakua, Jaron Hall, both made it on their respective teams with the Rams and the Vikings. Uh, Chris Brooks ended up making the Dolphins 53-man roster. He was a surprise coming out of training camp, played really well during the preseason games and found his way onto their roster there. And then Zane Anderson, after being released from the Bills, was signed by the Packers onto their 53-man squad. So those are three of the guys are, yeah, those are three of the guys that we've seen get signed that we didn't know for sure would have a spot or not, but were able to find their way onto a roster, and we're super excited to see what they can do on their teams. Yeah, especially a big shout out to Chris Brooks, you know, undrafted, signed on as a free agent for the Miami Dolphins. He literally did everything he could to earn that spot. It was not given to him at all. He worked his tail off, proved himself in those preseason games and was able to earn that roster spot. So big shout out to Chris Brooks, especially Jackson. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I just want to point out all the guys you mentioned, uh, the current total for BOU guys on NFL teams or the practice squad is 16 which based off of seeing stuff on Twitter earlier this week, that would put us at third in the new Big 12, which includes the four teams coming next year. So BYU is in a great spot when it comes to getting guys in the NFL, and especially when it comes to having guys stick in the NFL. So just it's a great thing to see for the program, great thing to see personally for these individuals that worked hard while they're at BYU, continue to work hard, and are making money in the league these days. And that's something that I think a lot of people are sleeping on with BYU is that we are producing this NFL talent pretty regularly. You know, we have dudes that are regular, regularly getting drafted now. We have dudes that are already in the league making that difference. BYU is an NFL school. I, I feel comfortable giving it that title. We produce that NFL talent. So I think a big shout out is also, you know, deserved for Kalani for getting these dudes NFL ready. He has developed some great players we have dudes like a walk-on Tyler Algier that got drafted to the Falcons, had an over 1,000-yard rushing season last year. So another big shout-out as well to especially our coaching staff and Kalani for getting those dudes NFL ready. Now switching the focus again a little bit, as we mentioned in our first episode, if you did not listen to that, we also like just talking college football in general. We like, like talking about some of the games outside of BYU's matchup. So... A couple things that we want to focus on is, first of all, our next opponent, they have a game this week. So, Jackson, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so Southern Utah plays at Arizona State on Thursday night at 8 p.m. I was trying to find where I could watch this game and was disappointed to find out that it is on the Pac-12 network. Might be a little bit tricky for BYU fans to watch. And I, I even thought it was funny. I was looking on the ESPN app trying to find where – it was going to be uh, broadcasted, and the ESPN app didn't even show the Pac-12 network. So I think the ESPN has already written off the Pac-12 is absolutely dead. I won't even say that their network is still running. But yeah, SSU, SSU goes and plays Arizona State. Should be able to find a watch them compete with that team in that game. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little bit of a correction here. You said it might be a little bit hard for BYU fans to find that game. I'm gonna switch that up and say it's gonna be hard for almost anybody <laughs> to find that game because the Pac-12, as you mentioned, is dying. The Pac-12 network is kind of collapsing. So I think a lot of people, if they want to watch it, are going to have to find some way to stream it. And that is a very sad thing about college football for any team to not have their game broadcasted. I want to also talk about some of the other matchups that we are most excited for with this week outside of BYU. So I'll go ahead and start. You know, one of the games I'm most excited for, it's my personal game of the week outside of BYU, is going to be Colorado and TCU. So this is going to be a big game for me personally. You know, Colorado is playing at number 17 TCU. I think Colorado and TCU are two of the teams this season that a lot of people are curious to see how they perform. TCU specifically, they made it in the playoffs last season. They made it to the national championship. They got demolished in the championship, but they were still a great team. But they lost a lot of their production from that team. Their quarterback, some of their best receivers, some of their defensive guys made it to the league. So there's a little bit of a question mark with this season's TCU team. Now, it's going to be a similar situation with Colorado, not for the same reasons, but because, of course, Colorado brought in Deion Sanders as the head coach. I think already there is so much attention on this Colorado team. They literally are bringing a lot of this attention onto themselves with first Dion saying he's bringing in his own guys and basically telling other guys to transfer. You know, he's also having players' social media handles on the back of their jerseys at their camp. So a lot of this Colorado attention is coming from themselves and so I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can sort of follow up all the talk that they've had they have all this talk about being great you know they have some decent players in Travis Hunter and Deion Sun at quarterback but you know a lot of those guys are untested against power five teams and starting off the season against a team like TCU is going to I think really show who this Colorado team actually is it's going to be very intriguing to me personally to see how this game goes to see how both those teams do and i think it's kind of one of the underrated games for this week there's a lot of focus on other games for for the right reason but i do think this colorado and tcu game is going to be very intriguing just because it's you know two teams that we're going to be learning about this season yeah, so my easy pick for this week is uh, number five LSU at number eight Florida State. That's Sunday evening, and we get a top 10 matchup right off the bat. LSU really good on the back half last year. Florida State has really high hopes this year, so that's going to be a game that honestly could have some playoff implications come the end of the year. So week one, starting off hot, top 10 matchup. I am super excited for that one there. Well, Chris must have read my mind because that's the game that I had written down. Um Super excited for the game. This year, personally, I just want to see anyone else but an SEC team win the national championship. And I look at Florida State as one of those teams that could challenge the SEC in that. I think they'll have to go through Clemson, obviously, but this would be a great way for Florida State to start the season with the win versus LSU. To choose a different game, I guess, I'm going to go ahead and go with Boise State at number 10, Washington. I'm kind of looking at Boise as my adopted G5 team now that BYU is in the P5. In my world of college football, and if you were to look at it in a way specific to me right now, it's almost like a a college degree. My major is in BYU, my minor is in Tennessee, go Vols, and my emphasis is in Boise State. I'm just watching Taylor Green last year. He's a heck of a football player, that quarterback that they have up there. Boise's always competitive. They're always challenging these P5 teams and beating a lot of them. I look at this game as kind of a game for Boise State to prove themselves, go on the road, but they're going to have to go through Michael Penix and a really good Washington team. I want that Washington team to be really good for selfish reasons that I won't go into deeper, but I think Boise State's going to make that game a very fun one to watch. Now, I... I have to agree with both of you. Those are both also games that I'm thrilled about. And partially why I'm also excited for those specific games is because those games are both going to come down a lot to the quarterback play, which I love specifically in football. So LSU, you know, we have the matchup 
of Jaden Daniels against Jordan Travis. Those are two potential even Heisman candidates, depending on how they play this year, that have a big game to start off the season to get their names in that Heisman candidacy. You know, a big thing is going to be how Jordan Travis performs, especially because Florida State's the underdog. LSU on paper may be, but may be the better team. But if Jordan Travis outperforms expectations, I can very easily see Florida State winning this game. And then the same thing, as you mentioned, with Boise State. You know, they have Jalen Green at quarterback. He is a fantastic quarterback. He is a dual threat guy. He can beat you off his he can beat you off the run. Or, you know, as we like to say in our group here, he has good feet. He's a speedy guy. He has a great arm. He's very accurate, makes great decisions. So if he performs his best, they do stand a chance against Washington. But on the other side, other side, Washington has a great offense as well. They're looking to be the final Pac-12 champion before that whole conference just completely dies. So that would be actually a great test for them to start the season. So we're so excited for this week's matchup for BYU. We also have some great other games going on this weekend in college football. It's going to be a fantastic week one just to get the season started off. We are really looking forward to it. But make sure you tune in next week for our episode where we focus on Southern Utah, specifically our matchup from them. Maybe we'll have a little bit of an analysis on Southern Utah, specifically based off of their matchup tonight on Thursday is when we're recording this against Arizona State. We'll give you an idea based off what we saw for week one for BYU as well, what to expect for that game. So that should be a good one. If you don't already, make sure you follow our social medias. We are on both Twitter and Instagram. So on Twitter, we are at Coog Talk Podcast. It's the same thing for Instagram. Make sure you give us a follow on both of those. We're going to start regularly posting more content on those as well, outside of just posting about when we post our podcast. Make sure also if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you make sure you follow or subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss any of our episodes that come out. Make sure you're able to listen in each week. Do either of you have anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Go Cougs. Go Cougs, baby. But thank you all so much for listening. Again, make sure you tune in next week and go Cougs. This was the Cougar Talk Podcast. Thanks for listening.